Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. Well, we've got a great show today. You know, a great American poet once said, what the world needs now are more people who specialize in impossible. What a great intro for Frankie Picasso. She's an international social socialpreneur, a talk show host, champion for change, and she's been transforming lives and influencing culture for the past 30 years. Professionally, she is a certified life, business, and master coach trainer. She's an author, and that's the knowledge we're going to tap in today. But an artist, an activist, radio talk show host, and she just happens to specialize in the impossible. Frankie's book, Midlife Mojo, won her recognition and the finalist winner award as one of the 50 great writers you should be reading in 2015. And now she has four books to her credit, with her fifth reaching bestseller status on 2021 as co-author in the BLU series. Frankie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Lee. It's my pleasure to be here. So nice to talk to you, always. Well, thank you. You know, and I consider you an expert on change. <laughs> and what I've seen in the month of February, you know, a lot of my clients have talked about some, they're focused on relationships, Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. that makes everybody not in a relationship wish they were. It makes some of them that are in a bad relationship wish they weren't. Mm-hmm. So I've had relationships on my mind a lot. And I, you know, I thought about it and most of them are midlife and, you know, midlife, it's just one more stage of life. It's not really age matters sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't. But I do think 40, 50, 60 years of life experience are not the same as 20 or 30 years. So we hit midlife, (laughs) and the master plan's not playing out the way we want to. We don't have the relationships that we maybe want. Uh, They've changed. Maybe we didn't want that change. And almost... You know, I thought about it. I was talking with one client and I thought, sounds like she's having a midlife mojo. (laughs) Her power from within is being lost. Mm -hmm. So give us some of your mojo. Talk to me. Well, you know, it's it's interesting that you say that because I've been um, counseling a a dear friend who is pretty much going through what you just stated right now. You know, um, she, she had divorced her husband and things were not good in that relationship. And so she owned her truth, which I think is great. Um, but being, you know, she just turned 60 and she's trying to find, been trying to find probably for two years, you know, somebody to fall in love with or somebody to, uh, go the distance with her. And I, and I guess it really does depend on, on what it is that you're looking for at this stage of your life. If you're, um, you know, some people think, well, I've got maybe 20 or 30 good years ahead of me. I'm not happy in the relationship I'm in. So they're going to start to own their truth and say, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I've got to get out of this relationship. It's not serving me. It's not serving my partner. And um, I, it's time to move on. Other people, you know, they say, well, I've already invested 30 years with this person. So things aren't the way I'd like them to be. But maybe um, we can do something to spice things up. Maybe we can find a way that we could get uh, closer and, and find that feeling again that we that we had for, you know, we love each other, but it's just so meh, <clears throat> excuse me, you know? Um, and then there, there are, are people who 
like my friend who's alone and, and is really searching for that person that they can, um, you know, go into that sunset with. And I think it's really important to have realistic expectations. You know, dating um, in your 50s, 60s is not the same as dating when you're a teenager. Um, <laughs> you know, women, especially women, um, they tend to worry more about their flabby stomachs or their breasts aren't as high up as they used to be. And we kind of, and it's so funny because men always say, well, I don't care about that. Like, they're just happy to have a warm body. <laughs> that wants to be nice to them. Like, they're not, they really, you know, it's funny. I mean, there are obviously some people who care. But for the most part, no. They, you know, what women blow up in their heads is, is not the experience that um, I hear from men. Well, I think you make, you know, it's a really good point is that, we all, if you're in your 60s, we're going to have a little bit more of a flabby stomach, mm-hmm. and our and we're not our skin is not as firm, and we we folk well the brain. I mean, what does the the brain pay attention to? It's a true fact. Every day we have three times more positive events than negative. But what does the brain remember? The negative, right? You know? You look in the mirror and you catch yourself at a bad angle and you think, oh, my gosh. Yep. And then then you see, a, you know, a nice, you get a better view of yourself and you say, oh, okay. But what does the brain hold on to? That negative view, you know? Yeah. And it's hard. It really is. I find it really interesting because all the talk on relationships has made me kind of do a little research. And I found Mm -hmm. some research of a standard psychologist and she was trying to help us make sense of the changes that come as we move through the years. So she and her colleagues term, they coined the term socio-emotional selectivity. And I just, I like the way that (laughs) sounds. Sounds powerful, doesn't it? It does. But what they were looking at is an increased tendency of people as they age, they value experiences and relationships that bring positive emotions and have meaning in the current moment more than the novel information with its potential excitement or influences on future goals. And that research I thought was really interesting because what it showed is people in midlife, they're increasingly voting with their feet. They are leaving situations that no longer meet their needs Mm -hmm. and they're striking out into the unknown. And I know, you know, you're a change. You drive change in everything you do. Mm -hmm. So someone like you probably would be right in the middle of that if you needed to be. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I I actually, I, I... I crave change, actually. Like, I find that, that I, if I'm stagnant for too long, um, it scares me a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm a rolling stone, I guess you could say. Um, I, I like it. I like new experiences, and I like learning new things, and I like meeting new people. And it doesn't mean that I don't value, you know, the past, but um, I, like, I like to challenge myself. I like to do new things. Well, and isn't that what the book Midlife Mojo is about, is change? Right. It's a prescription for change. And, you know, I, I talk about midlife. I wrote it in midlife. And so I talk about midlife. I mean, it, 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 change is change. It doesn't matter what age you change at. Um, you know, there, there are certain things that you need to do. However, the book was written for those in midlife because it is a unique experience in that um, that midlife crisis or what I coined the metamorphosis happens 
um, at an individual stage, like an individual rate. When you go through puberty, you know, you're in high school, you go through it with masses of people at the same time. You all got your pimples at the same time. You're all getting, you know, your periods at the same time. You're all like all of these things are, you know, these changes in dating and prom and all that. You, you do it en masse. And, and yet when you have this midlife change, you're by yourself. Most people only have a couple of friends, you know, maybe they, they, they talk to them, maybe they don't. But um, this is something that you have to figure out for yourself. Am I going through it? What's happening to me? Some people, you know, they're like a bull in a china shop. Some people it's just a very like a little blip, you know, on their on their radar screen. Oh, you know, something happened. <laughs> um, but for everybody, it's going to be a little bit different. I think one of the bigger signs that, that I've noticed, though, is this desire or need to give back. You want you want to have a future where um, you're giving, you know, you want to help people or, or, and change things. And, and you certainly want to um, make sure that, you know, your, your future is secure, I guess, um, in whatever way you can do that. And whether that's going, you know, getting a new career, because a lot of times um, people are, you know, looking at retirement, but they're also looking at what can I do that I really wanted to do that I, I wasn't able to do. And so they're changing, you know, careers, they're changing paths, they're changing um, and getting the things that they always wanted. Because a lot of times, you know, we, we go into um, a career or a job because our parents had expectations for us to do that. And we maybe didn't want to do that, but we didn't want to disappoint anybody. And now it's a perfect opportunity to uh, to try those things that, you know, you weren't able to do. You know, that's a really good point, because by midlife, you know, I'm now a parent. I have kids of my own that are moving into their adult lives. And mm-hmm. I've dealt with illness. I've dealt with crisis. I've dealt with, you know, death, losing all of my original family. And, and you know, some of us have have had a loss of functioning in some way. Right. And we're really, I really know what's important to me right now. My resilience has really been tested. Mm, for sure it has. And, you know, like emotionally, mentally and physically. And um, it was it's interesting. I, I just did, did a show um, an hour ago on, on some movies. And there was a movie that I watched yesterday. It was called The Two of Us. And it was it was a true, true love story. And it, it was a French film. It was a foreign film about these two women who had been in love for 20 some odd years. Um, the, the one woman had been married before and she had a family and they were you know, they thought that this lady was her neighbor, but they actually really lived together. And she, the one lady had a stroke and all oh, this woman was climbing the walls to look after her, to care for her. And, but the family didn't know that they had this relationship. And so it was just heartbreaking to watch, you know, the, the, this woman. And that was like such love to want to just be a service to her partner. Um, and like a lot of people run for the hills when somebody has a stroke and they can't move anymore and they can't talk anymore. And yet here was this, you know, this partner uh, clamoring to look after her, her loved one. That's so that's such a good point, because, you know, there's the book, The Five Languages of Love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we all we all want to express love in, in different ways. But it's when when you lose some somebody and after a stroke you have lost a big part yes. of that person yes because i've worked with a lot of stroke victims at the brain performance center and one of the hardest things is how that changes the relationships within their family mm-hmm. you know when you've when the dad has always been the strong powerful 
take care of everybody, make all the decisions. And now the dad's not making any decisions. Yeah. And that, that leaves the kids. And, and I'm sure that the partner, the spouse, struggling. For sure, at least I'm struggling. And, you know, I know my friend um, whose husband had a stroke, you know, she didn't, she didn't do any of the banking. She didn't do any of that stuff. She didn't know how to balance books. She didn't know any of that stuff. He looked after it all. And so, you know, there comes a point where I, I believe that women need to be independent in, in their relationships and they need to learn all that stuff very young. And, you know, when you uh, are first married, you should have your own bank account. My dad always told me a woman should have her own bank account. You've got money that you can spend um, however you want, you know, and nobody yeah. can tell you differently. And I think that's really important to have that that kind of independence. Learn to drive. That's really important, too. If you're going to be dependent upon somebody to uh, take you someplace, um, you know, you're always waiting. You're always waiting then for somebody instead of, you know, some women like that. They think, oh, it's so great. He, you know, he drives me here and he drives me there. It's kind of a control thing. But really, um, it's a disservice to yourself. I agree with you. And the waiting part would kill me. Yeah. Be, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> I just want to go when I want to go, right? I know. You and me both. I want the freedom. I want the independence. Mm-hmm. And, and it's my choice That's what right. I do. And I think that's what, no, no matter how old you are, it's your choice how you live your life. Yeah. And we all struggle. But in your book, what do you think is the best piece of advice that you give people that are truly struggling because they've lost a, something that's important to them? And I mean, we have relationships. We have relationships with our money, with our job, yeah. with our house, with, with everything. For I, I I think this is going to sound funny, but I think the the biggest piece of advice is to not stay in a relationship for money. Men and women, you know, guys don't want to leave women because they they're afraid to give up their half their ownings, <laughs> or earnings, or whatever their pensions and and all kinds of stuff. And women stay because you know they don't want. Um, how am I going to make money? How am I going to live? Where am I going to live? And those things, while important, they shouldn't decide. They shouldn't really be a deciding factor if you're going to stay with somebody or not. Because if you're not in love, you're not in love. But how do you define love? Well, you know, are you happy? I mean, I, I believe that you have to ask yourself questions. So, you know, as a coach, I'd be asking questions. And so I ask, you can ask yourself those same questions. Um, if I was to do everything again, would I still be with the same person? If I was to do everything again, would I still be in this house? If, you know, I could have the fairy godmother, you know, wave her wand, um, would I have the same friends, the same job, the same everything? So if your answer is, you know, more no's than yes, um, you need to look at that. Look at that relationship. And, very and say, seriously. You know, yeah, very seriously and, and, and decide, you know, we're very good at just getting by. We're very good at letting things just, you know, roll. Um, and I know a lot because people don't like change. They don't like change. But... If you want to be happy and happiness is really important for some people, um, then change has got to come and it is uncomfortable. But when you get comfortable with the uncomfortable, you find that um, you walk into spaces that are just so much better than you ever dreamed you could possibly have. Yeah. You know, so, but it's interesting to me because sometimes I think we get stuck in a Mm -hmm. relationship and we know we're stuck, mm-hmm. but what do we do about it? 
I, I've got clients that just kind of want to sit there and say, I'm stuck. I think I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. And my response to that is, do you want to stay stuck? <laughs> yeah. Because it's a choice. It is a choice. And, you know, another thing is, you know, you can decide to make yourself more interesting, too. And, you know, I'm a big um, believer in vibration attracting, you know, energy attracts energy. And and so if you are somebody who um, has kind of just given up and, and your partner hasn't, then hello, why would they, they be interested in sticking around and vice versa? You know, so if, if you're serious, if you want to stay in that relationship, then it might might be a factor where um, you need to go to school. You need to do something that makes you more interesting and, and stimulating. And maybe it's a change of clothes or a haircut, something, you know, that's going to um, make you feel better and make them feel better and, and be more attractive in, you know, a lots of different ways. And it's not just physically. It's, you know, mentally and emotionally. Another thing that people can do is they can start touching, you know, like just touch an arm, touch a shoulder as you go by. That can um, bring emotional um, intimacy back into a relationship. That the power of touch. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about sex. No, that's powerful, too. Yeah. No, I'm not talking about that. But but I'm talking about just cuddling, Mm -hmm. you know, just rubbing somebody's neck and having them rub your neck. It's that intimacy. It makes you feel, it makes me feel Bonded. like I'm being nurtured, nurtured, yeah. Yeah. you know? Exactly. But exactly. I have a confession. Okay. So I've been married for a really long time mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, okay, I want to start doing something new. So in 2020, I painted And I enjoyed that. And I will Mm -hmm. continue with that. Not on the level that you paint, my friend. Oh, no. (laughs) But but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I am continuing. And so I thought in 2021, I want to learn something new. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I've been married a very long time. What could I learn that maybe would be something that I would enjoy sharing with my husband? So I never thought I would say this. I'm going to learn how to play golf. Yeah, good for you. Well, well, and I have no aspirations. Uh, I, I mean, I would like to be able to play a decent game, but I know sure. that takes work. Right. Uh, and I'm I'm willing to invest some time and energy in that. And how does he but feel about that? He's excited. Good. That would be fun. Yeah, he's excited. I was telling um, my family and one of my boys and his partner are like, well, maybe I'd like to learn to play golf, mom. And I'm like, really? You live in Palm Springs. That's the golf heaven. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he, my husband was excited. My family's excited. Um, They're going to try to learn too. That gives us something that we can do on a family level. Um, So, but that's, and I think that's the key. You, You hit the nail on the head there, Lee. You have to find things that you can do together. Um, even though it's, you know, everybody needs their alone time, you also need together time. And especially, you know, the older we get, and, you know, maybe you're, you're going to be retiring and he's retiring or whatever. What are you going to do with that free time? Like, you're going to drift or you're going to create something, you know, together. And that's, that's a challenge. Well, what it is, is a it? challenge. Yeah, it's a challenge. And I think that, you know, he's always been the biggest supporter of my business. Yeah. Uh, 
And I appreciate that, but that's, but that's not something I want to do with him. Right. And I've told him, I, I appreciate, you know, financially from the very beginning, emotionally, uh, all the support, but I don't want to share my business with you. Right. Yeah. No, I understand that. Totally. You need to have your own thing. Um, and that's great. But now you, you know, you were clever enough to figure out something that you guys can do together. Good for you. Well, let's hope it works. <laughs> well, but, but it I, plays I to your point. Times. Yeah. You know, it plays to your point that you've got to take responsibility um, and think, well, what, you know, there are lots of, what can I do mm-hmm. that's engaging? Yeah. What can yeah. I do that will make me more fun for right. my family to think about spending a vacation with? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, and, and I love it that it's, you know, it actually incorporates the whole family, which is really great. Well, it is because for me, as I get, you know, as, as we get older, we get focused on really what's important. Mm-hmm. And right. it's, it's for me, it's family. And I think it is for most of us. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially now, like, you know, with my grandkids coming more and more, um, family just becomes way more important. Well, you know, I think that sometimes uh, we look at our past and we think, well, our past was when we had all the potential, but it's mm-hmm. really not. I mean, I think I have more potential today than I ever have in my life. It's limitless. I mean, I think that you've learned that you can learn. You've learned that you can grow. You've learned that, you know, you're not just going to stay the status quo. You can You can be more than that. And I think, you know, when we're raising our kids, life's a blur. It's just a blur. You're running, you're running, you're running from work to baseball, to football, to dance lessons, to, you know, making dinners and all that kind of stuff. Um, and as you get a little bit older, you got the time to, to really enjoy those individuals, enjoy your, your family members, you enjoy your children and your grandkids and, and just really be happy with, you know, and, and kind of proud of what you've, what you've done. Well, I was looking at some of your book online and you asked some pretty interesting questions in there. And one that, that caught my eye is, what do you have already that someone else might wish they had? Mm. And I thought, you know, that's such a good way to look at it because we tend to look out and see what we don't have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. Boy, if I had that. And instead of looking that way, what is it that I have that somebody else might wish that they have? So where it's did that positive. It it's is. A positive, it's a positive way to look at things, you know, because we're always looking at what we don't, like you said, what we don't have. And so to be more positive, what do I have that other people might be envious of? Just to get you to really look at yourself and look at your skills and look at, you know, the things that you know how to do that are easy for you. Maybe it's knitting or or you know, sewing something amazing or creating, it could be anything. But, you know, people will say to you, oh, I wish I could bake like you. Oh, I wish I could, you know, do this or do that or have clients or whatever the case might be. It's important to recognize that you're not just all negative. You have positives in there too. So how do you help somebody that really, because I have, I have clients that really struggle with seeing their positive, you know, and I'll say, tell me three great things about you. Mm-hmm. And when the room just goes quiet. Yeah. 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 
it's, you know, for some people, it's really hard to recognize um, what is positive about themselves. And maybe some people feel that um, it's a sense of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, too pride, too proud. You know, you shouldn't be so prideful or uh, of what you have, maybe. Um, they don't want to say those things about themselves. So I think, you know, one way is just to... Um, not about themselves, but maybe even say, you know, do a 360. What have people said to you that they think you're good at? That's a great spin on it because I think you're right. You know, some people were raised that if if you say a lot of good things about yourself, that's arrogant. Yeah. Don't be, for, don't be yeah. so arrogant. Yeah. Um, and so we've been, some people have been trained that it's not okay to say good things about yeah. themselves. I mean, at work, we used to do the 360s. You know, you, you reach out to people and say, can you tell me, you know, what I do good or what I do bad? And so you can do that with your friends and your family. You can, you know, if you don't know, ask them. And when you start to see the same stuff come in, you know, let's say five people said the same thing, you have to kind of believe it. You have to say, oh, they do think of me like that. There's strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's, that's a really good um, way to get people to acknowledge um, good and bad things, you know, that are happening in their lives about themselves, but more good than bad for sure. Well, one thing that I noticed with my clients is, you know, that's a good idea, you know, next week or mm-hmm. next <laughs> month, you know, and I'm like, okay, so are we going to go into next year? Because, yeah. <laughs> but, but why do you think people are so reluctant to move forward? Fear, 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 fear of, you know, fear of change, Fear of, of, and even success, fear of success too, because, you know, if you do it once, maybe you're just a one trick pony. Uh, Maybe you have to give up your friends because, you know, you're going to have to leave people behind when you become more successful. Maybe, um, you know, you just don't want, you don't have the energy for it. Sometimes, you know, at this age, uh, sometimes like, oh, I could do that. Oh, but I just really don't have the energy to be that big. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But I think that, you know, there's no time like the present. Yeah. And and what do we talk about? Or I know what I talk about for people with anxiety and depression is some, do some mindfulness, you know. Mm-hmm. Stay present in the moment. The present is a gift. 80% of us, and this is a true statistic, 80% of us are either lost in the past or we're worried about the future. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not taking the time to enjoy the moment. Yeah, Eckhart Tolle said, you know, uh, regret lives in the in the past and uh, fear lives in the future. So stay in the now. Absolutely. And, and fear is something that uh, I see people with OCD. You know, they're they're afraid of so many different things. Um, fear touches all of us. There's, there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think that you have to turn inward and do a do a check with yourself. You know, check in on yourself spiritually. Check in on yourself emotionally, check in on yourself intellectually to just, you know, tell yourself, stay in tune. How are you doing? Because if you check in regularly, you'll find out you do pretty well more often than you think. So after the break, we'll talk more about how to master change. We'll be back after these messages. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? 
During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. It's words you never heard. English isn't always the most expressive language in the world. Many other languages have words that are much more descriptive in their meaning. University of East London psychologist Tim Lomas compiled words from other countries that don't translate or have an English equivalent. Heiskos is a Norwegian word that means sitting in front of a crackling fireplace enjoying the warmth. Gula is Spanish for the desire to eat simply for the taste. And shamomachamo is a Georgian word that means eating past the point of satiation due to sheer enjoyment. Faya Ament is a German word for the festive mood at the end of a working day. To quote Mark Twain, the difference between the right word and the nearly right word is the difference between lightning and lightning bug. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. back. Now here is your host, Lee Richardson. We're back and we're back. We've got Frankie with us and she's our change expert. And so I thought, you know, we might start off just talking a little about how there's got to be a protocol for change or there's got to be something that your life experience, Frankie, has really shown you works well. Talk to me about that. Yeah. One thing that's kind of interesting um, is to listen to, I call them the members of the board that are in your head. So a lot of, I, I like to listen to a song. In a song, if you, you know, really listen to it, you can pick apart the bass and the drums and the guitar and the vocals. Well, you can do that in your head too. And what are those voices in your head saying to you at any given time? Now, one, one thing that, um, an example I give in the book is you spill milk. Your very, very first thought. I'm so stupid. A lot of people just go right there, right to, I'm stupid. Oh, I'm a klutz, or I'm a this, I'm a that. So right now, you know, you've already given yourself a negative. Um, stop that negative and you want to change that to a positive. But the reason for that negative, um, and you probably have these negative voices in your head all day long that you aren't even aware of. So I want to make people aware of those because we need to to change those to positive. So one of the... Um, the, the things that we do is you wear a rubber band around your wrist and it can get very painful by the end of the day. But when you're listening to your thoughts and you have a negative thought, you snap the rubber band. And Ooh, just to make you aware of, Oh, I just had 50 negative thoughts. <laughs> like that's a lot of negative thoughts. Why do I have so many? Why don't I catch these? Why am I so down on myself? Why don't I? So how can I switch them around? So you have a negative thought. Um, uh, I'm unworthy or, or whatever it might be. How do you, how do you flip that? Okay. Well, I am worthy. And how do you, how do you put some behind that? You have some 
a positive experience. Like, say you have a positive experience, maybe it's a puppy, you got a puppy or something that makes you so happy. And you carry that in your back pocket. And every time you snap that rubber band with a negative experience, you bring out this happy this happy thought that you have that that this thing that makes you so happy in your life and you just hold that for like 17 seconds you hold this happiness and then you go about your day and you know you're starting to train your brain to go from you know this this little deer path into a big rut and so it becomes the automatic instead of the automatic is the negative you're starting to make a path to the automatic is a positive a positive thought so that's that's one thing um, that we can do, you know. I love, I love the um, Shakespeare said, "All the world's a stage," and and so that I, I say, well, if you didn't get the right part, if you really feel you didn't get the right part, who is it you want to play? Who do you want to be? And be it. Go for it. You know, that's a great way to stuck. look at it. Yeah, you're the director of your life. Give yourself a new a new part, and and that's up to you. One thing that I did um, when my kids were young, I took a, a course called Career Planning for Women. And um, everybody had to get a, a job shadow. So I got everybody their job shadow. That was, it, was, it wasn't really my job, but I was really good at it. So I got them all their, their the, a placement with a firm doing what it was that they thought they might want to do. I thought I wanted to do events. So I went with a big event company and other people wanted to you know, be in lawyers or whatever. So they went and spent a week under an expert um and that's one way to know if you really like something and if you're gonna if it's the reality is is you know in tune with what you your head thinks it's going to be like so you know i encourage people to do that if you you know call up a company and say listen i I really really want to be this um i don't know if i you know i don't know anything really about the business would it be possible to come and job shadow somebody for a week and you, then you get a you know really good understanding. The other thing that's really good is volunteer work because volunteer work gives you um, a lot of experience that you might not get in your regular life. Um, one, I remember one girl at work. She really wanted um, uh, to move up. She was she didn't have any project management experience, so she went to work um, with Habitat for Humanity and she took over as you know the lead the lead person and she got all all the experience she needed in project management. And so when it came time for her to have you know, go for another job and, and, you know, get more money. Uh, she could say, hey, yeah, I've done this for two years now. I've been running, you know, these projects over there. So I think that's a way to get your foot in a door in a non-threatening way. Because um, it doesn't really matter if you screw up too much. Hey, I'm not getting paid. You know, your brain can, can handle that. Um, and you're learning. And so, you know, trying new things and different things uh, and see where, where what's a fit for you. And you know that what I find a lot is that people are afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. They're they're afraid. You want me to call a company? They're not going to talk to me. I'm going to be rejected. So what if you are? Yeah. And it's do you amazing. think they'll remember your name? No. Yeah. No, they don't know you. And you know, you put game into it. I call in, in coaching we call it putting some game. And and so you go, okay, you know what? I'll probably get nine no's, and the tenth one will be a yes. So every nine calls, there's a no, and the tenth one is a yes. Well, I love that because you know the name of my book is Turn Your Brain On to Get Your Game On. Oh, there you go. So, so I'm all about the game. <laughs> yeah, you put some game into it. it. And it makes it, you know, the no's are, are less harsh um, because you know that you have to have no's till you get a yes. So well, you do, I mean, you do. And so you get two no's for every yes. Mm-hmm. The other thing that um, 
you know, that people, they forget about, and I forgot about it too, was um, when I was nine years old, I sent away for uh, these records. The records were um, how to become a radio personality. And it was the North American broadcasting record for DJs or something like that. So I'd forgotten that I really wanted to do that. And I was teaching coaching uh, at the International Coach Academy. And it was just after New Year's. And one of my students said, would you like to be um, on the radio? And I go, you know what? I would like to be on the radio because on my vision board, I just put down, I'm going to be on the radio this year. And it wasn't even two weeks later, he asked me, right? And I go, I forgot that I really had wanted to do that. I was nine years old and I always wanted to do that. And here I was, you know, 50 or whatever, um, getting started on the radio. So it was really exciting to me to, to bring that childhood dream forward. And I think many of us have those those dreams that we had when we we're kids, we kind of forget about them. They go by the wayside a little bit, but this is a perfect opportunity in midlife to pick them back up. That's an excellent, that's an excellent point. You know, and I think you got out of your comfort zone and you did it. And so many of us just want to stay in our comfort zone. Yeah. You don't go anywhere staying in your comfort zone though. And you know, it, there, there are people who, who are adrenaline junkies and people who aren't, but, you know, just a little bit outside of your comfort zone is such a big, ch- you know, you can't even imagine. Coaching, we call it a bold request. So you asked me when we were on break, what, what, what could people do? Well, you can offer, it's like, it's almost like a dare, like a double dare, but it's a bold request. So I'm going to give, you know, them a bold request to say, this weekend, I really want you to do that thing that you've been wanting to do, but you've been afraid to do it. Make that phone call go into that store, talk to that person, have that difficult conversation, whatever it is. But it's going to, you're going to be so relieved afterward. You're going to, you know, oh, thank God I did that. Um, Because what's the worst that's going to happen? The worst that's going to happen is you're going to get rejected or it's going to be a no or, or, you know, it didn't work out for you or whatever. But it's not, you know, cataclysmic. And proud. You know, there's there's nothing better than feeling pride in what you've done. Mm-hmm. And even if even if you don't like the results, I had a client earlier today and she took an action that she had wanted to take for a couple of months. And I said, you know, I'm just so proud of you. And she's like, well, I'm not. And I said, why not? She said, well, I didn't get the results that I wanted. I said, well, does it? That's that's not the point. The point mm-hmm. is, is you had the courage mm-hmm. and you took the courage and you did it. And I could tell she kind of stopped and kind of you know, looked up at the ceiling like, well, hmm, maybe. Like the hit's not a goal, but if you don't hit them, there'll never be a goal. All right. You know, I mean, that's the thing. The, if you don't do anything, uh, you're just always going to get what you always got. <laughs> and hey, the same old, same old. You keep doing mm-hmm. the same old, same old. What do you get, you know? Same old, same old. Yep. I mean, I did a vision board this year. I don't do one every year, mm-hmm. but I did one for 2021, and I had so much fun doing it. Aww. It was just, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And after I, I finished it, I had a business colleague look at it, and she's like, wow, I'm amazed. I'm like, you are? And she said, yeah, at all the empty space you have on your board. And I stopped back and I looked at it and there was a lot of empty <laughs> space. But I mean, there were pictures, but yeah. there were pictures of two beautiful chairs. Nobody was sitting in them. Nothing was going on. Um, 
I just thought that, you know, yeah. and I said, well, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. And so she told me, she said, you know, that, that your vision is unlimited. And, and um, oh. it was just, it was very, it made me realize that you've got to have vision of the future mm-hmm. and you've got to imagine it, even if it's nothing more than a vision board. You know, it's that you're so right. And I was thinking about my dad, who is going to be 95 this, you know, in a couple of weeks. Um, and he is always still dreaming about the future. He's always thinking about what's next. Because, you know, sometimes we sit there and we go, oh, I'm so bored. And what am I going to do? And, and I look at him, I go, how you've been around the world. You've done so much stuff in your life. How do you keep excited about life? You know, because yeah. 95 years, a lot of years to be on the, on the planet. Um, and he just is. He doesn't, he doesn't ever look back. He always looks forward. I can identify with that very much. <laughs> you know? and, and some people have said, well, you don't look back because of the, you know, you lost your dad at 12 and your mm-hmm. twin brother at 21. And no, that's, I, I'm sad about that. Sure. I don't have to look back to feel to right. grieve, you know. Right. Uh, I'm just more interested in what tomorrow will bring than what yesterday did. Like Soren, you know, Kierkegaard, he said, you know, life, we live life forward, yet we review it backward and, and we have to go forward. Like we understand it when you look at our past, but really it's about moving forward and, and understanding, um, you know, you can extrapolate things from your past and go forward. But, you know, I, one of my Frankieisms is that opportunities aren't lost. They're not actioned upon. And people will always say, oh, they were so lucky. No, they weren't lucky. They, they, the opportunity comes to all of us. Only, you know, one person's going to action it. Good point, you know. You know, you, and, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and, and the old saying, opportunity comes knocking at your door. Mm-hmm. You got to open it. You got to open it. I mean, how many times have people watched a commercial and they go, I thought of that. I thought of that. But you I didn't had take that it idea. far enough. You didn't take it far enough. <laughs> well, you know, we're talking about you have to look forward. Let's say you come out of a relationship that you weren't ready to come out of. Mm-hmm. Um, you Maybe you were married for 25 years mm-hmm. and all of a sudden that relationship has been ended and you're not happy about it, mm-hmm. and you weren't ready for it. How do you how do you coach that person to get them to start to look forward? Because that's where I see people. Once I can get them started yeah. to look forward, I can create momentum. But it's that first step. Any tips to share? Well, I think you know one of the the probably one one or two of the first questions I would have asked. Um, was did you have any signs in that relationship that things weren't good? Because people have blinders on. You know, they have to take ownership for their role. And they might think, oh, I didn't do anything. But they they probably did by not doing anything. Or, you know. Um, and like we said, like, you're, you're going to take up golf to be with your husband. Like, what didn't they do? What could they have done to make things better? And maybe sometimes you can't do anything, but then you just have to heal. You have to take the time to heal and, you know, make sure that you know that you are a worthy person. And if it had nothing to do with you, then it had nothing to do with you. And you can't control that. 
All you can control is yourself and how you're going to feel in the next moment. That's it. So, you know, um, it was a crappy thing that happened. You know, it's unfortunate. Maybe you could have done something, maybe you couldn't. But, you know, you have to explore all of that, I, I believe. Um, one thing that people don't think about, and I, and this is probably one of the first things I coach on, is values. What do you value? A lot of times they don't think about what they value and what their values are. But when you are in alignment with your values, be it in a relationship, be it at a work relationship, um, things are pleasant and things go along really nicely. But when you're not in alignment with values, let's say the company, um, maybe you believe in animal welfare and the company you know that you work for doesn't. You know, you see them doing silly things, stupid things, um, supporting something that you would never support. You're not going to feel very happy about working there because you're not in alignment. And the same is true in relationships. When you have a loved one, you know, one thing for me is generosity is one of my values. And so if I go to dinner with somebody and they don't tip, like when I was dating and they didn't tip, that would be a big negative. That'd be a big cross on their on their con side, you know. And maybe you can teach people to do it. Um, however, you know, for me, that that was just an automatic, oh, I didn't like that. So because that's not in alignment with my values, I give to everything, you know. Um, but that's who I am. And I don't expect everybody to do that. And that's fine. But or as much as I do. But it's important to me that we think well, about others. I get you. Because I think I know one of my values is honesty. Mm -hmm. You know, raising my kids, I'm always like, don't let me be the last one to learn anything. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. you, you know, you be honest with me and because that's a value to me. And when right. I, when I work with people for professionally, you know, there's little white lies sure. and they're not really that big a deal, but they go against my grain mm -hmm. because it's not honesty. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I, I told my kids, you know, I don't care what you did as long as you tell me the truth. Yeah. But if you tell me the lie, then you're in big trouble. Because, you know, well, always it, the truth always comes always out. Always comes out. Doesn't it? <laughs> it does. And and so, you know, you have to be in alignment with, with those values, but you have to know what you value and you have to know what your values are. And it's super important. I can't even stress that enough, how important that is. So when you know that, um, you can look at those relationships through that lens and think, hey, you know what? I probably was, I wasn't even happy. We didn't even share the same values. But you just and wanted to be in it because you're used to it. Well, and sometimes I think you get in, you know, you get into a relationship. And mm -hmm. I've had a client say, you know what? We've been married for less than a year. I feel so lonely. I yeah. feel so isolated. And, well, you know, I need this. I need this. Well, did you have that when you were dating? Mm -hmm. Well, no. No. Well, what makes you think you're going to have it when exactly. you get married? Exactly. I mean, people think, oh, I'm just going to have a person. I'll have my person. But the thing is, it's lonelier in a relationship when you're alone than it is being alone. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're expecting, the expectation is different. So, so many people are insecure in their relationships. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, what comes to mind as a client, you know, I think my boyfriend wants to leave me, but he won't tell me why. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh at that one. Well, you but, have to laugh. Now yeah. I can't laugh to the, you know, no, of course but, not. but I can reflect back and laugh. But that's such a young thing, isn't it? You know, it is. It's, it's such a youthful thing. Um, 
if you're thinking that, it's what my friend Kathy, you know, says is one of those difficult conversations that you need to have. You need to, you know, ask him what's what's up. Because our brain, you know, how, you know how the brain works. So you're going to be worrying and creating scenarios that don't even exist more so than if you just asked him what the heck's going on. Well, I think you have to, there's a step before that. You have to ask yourself, why do you think that? Mm-hmm. You know, what behaviors are you seeing that are different? Mm-hmm. Are, is he operating with increased secrecy? Um, does he have unexplained or she have unexplained yeah. absences? No, no. Well, then is all that in your head? Because mm-hmm. the fear of being left is so great that, you know, they're starting to worry and, and wonder. And yet that is going to create that loss in the end. All that fear and, and worry because they're, they're going to go. They will go because you have to be confident. Confidence is, is, is sexy. Confidence keeps people around. Confidence is, you know, uh, the glue sometimes in relationships. And so um, when you become needy, it's, that becomes unattractive. Particularly when you become too needy. Yes. Um, and and you can see it. You Sometimes you can look at a, a, a partnership and you can see. I believe there's givers and there's takers. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that everybody has to play each of those roles. Yeah. They yeah. have to share those roles. And if you're always the taker, that can be exhausting. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I mean, we all need our cup replenished. Yes, and we so, do. you know, you have to think about that. Um, relationships are complicated, but they're they're also uncomplicated. You know, if you're yourself, and that's probably the most important thing is you have to be you. And if you're not acting, you know, it's very difficult to keep up an act. So, you know, if you got into that relationship under false pretenses, uh, you pretended to be somebody who loved golf and you don't. <laughs> then you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're going to be playing a lot of golf. Um, so it's 2021 and you had a book come out this year yeah. and, and I mentioned it, BLU. What is BLU? BLU is Business Life and the Universe and it's a series. This was volume three. I was in volume three. There was one and two as well. And it is a compilation book um, and it was compiled by Corey Poirier, who is a TEDx speaker, just a wonderful, wonderful guy. And these are per- everybody's personal stories, whether um, it wasn't, you know, a business story or a life story or a spiritual kind of a story. Um, I, I wrote about my motorcycle accident in this particular book, um, my story, and how um, not just the accident, how it took me out, but the doctors and, and how they how I was treated. And it's quite a story, actually. Um but it's a very, very good book. And, the, and you know, the, the stories are, you could read a chapter um, a night or it's, it's not a book that you have to read cover to cover. It's just something you can pick up and read somebody's interesting story. It's nice. It's a really that, good book. It's like a chicken soup for the soul kind of a book. Very nice. You know, yeah. and I think that we can draw inspiration from others sometimes. Yeah, you know, I picked that up and wow, I was in a motorcycle accident. Well, I, I didn't kind of jump back like that. And why didn't I? And yeah. Yeah. Very inspiring. It is a very inspiring book. And, and um, it, it is a bestseller. It became bestseller before it even hit hit Amazon, I think. Um, so that was really great. And in a couple of countries. 
So we're very excited about that. And it's a speaker series and, and a, it's going to Roku and um, it's exciting. Yeah. Sounds very, very exciting. So have you got more books to come? Well, that was the fifth. I My other book um, that I wrote was a per, more personal book. It was called For One of 40 Pounds. And that's a story about my dad and his journey um, leaving um, Austria when he was 12 years old, walking across Europe by himself, um, trying to get to England during uh, Hitler's invasion. And that is, you know, it's a very personal book, but it's it's a wonderful book. I'm really excited about that book. And that book became a bestseller in three countries um, the, the, the day it went out. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, I really love that book. I really love that book. That's probably my favorite book of all my books. That was, but we're at five, and I don't, think, I don't know if I'm going to write any more books. I don't know. Uh, right now, I don't have any plans to do that. But um, that was a really, that was a story of love. So, well, I know you're a busy lady. You do a lot of coaching on a business level, professional level. <laughs> if somebody wanted to learn more about that, how could they? How could they do that? You can find out everything I do at unstoppablefrankiepicasso.com. But I'm also, I also have a website called Rent a Believer. And Rent a Believer is really about um, coaching and motivating people and inspiring people. Like I believe as a coach that um, I hold your belief for you until you can do it for yourself. So the tag is, if, if faith and belief were your partner, what could you accomplish? And so as the, as the believer, I'm going to believe in you, but I don't have to believe in you forever. I just have to believe in you until you believe in you, get you to the place where, you know, you can take it away. And so that's why it's rent a believer. (laughs) I like that. I like that. You know, that you're offering a bridge to get to the other side. Yeah. We all need help getting to the other side sometimes. Exactly. did, so did you found that site or did you just join it? Oh, Rent a Believer? No, mm-hmm. I, I, I founded it. Yeah, I, that was that's mine. My little site, Rent a Believer. That's yeah. amazing. I love it. Well, well, what's, just to end on a good chuckle, mm. what's the funniest thing that you've ever been rented as a believer for? <laughs> oh, geez, Lee. Putting me on the spot here. Well, knowing you, you take you're you're unstoppable, so you're welcome anything. Oh, I would, I would. I can't even think. You're putting me. I can't think when I'm put on the spot like that. And I can, I can see our time is going down really quickly. Um, what is the rent of a leader? Well, what is? have you enjoyed the most? Just what experience have you enjoyed the most? You know, I just really enjoy helping people for like, especially entrepreneurs. I like to work with entrepreneurs and people who are, who want a birth. A company because that's where I find um, my most joy and fun is in the creative side of things I don't like to run things but I do like creating things awesome so for anybody out there's got that grand idea that they've had for a couple years and they've decided that 2021 is the year Mm-hmm. I mean, we're entering a new age, the age of Aquarius, mm-hmm. um, lots of opportunities. So if you're one of those people and you want somebody who specializes in the impossible, I suggest that you check out Frankie Picasso, whether it's Rent a Believer or whether it's just Google her name, because 
she can make change happen. And not everybody can, Frankie. I know to you, it's so automatic and so natural, mm-hmm. but it's not to everybody. Thank you so much for being with me today, Frankie. Thank you so much, Lee. On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify,